Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, average thousand air husband podcaster. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Minute 71, which begins with Team Time Bomb and ends with Clint preparing himself. Back on the show from last week, it's Kyle Olson. Hello, Kyle. Everything special about me also came out of a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> that Gross. should be something that Tony should uh, should have some uh, some comment with, because, you know, as somebody who had his own demon in a bottle. In a bottle, yeah. yeah. This okay, so we're starting this minute. Banner's getting angry. He's he's seeing this uh, the bigger picture here, uh, calling this group this this time bomb. Now Fury is the one who kind of goes to Natasha's side and says, "You need to step away." Uh, why is that? Is this the same thing that he was doing when he responded to Tony when he was just grasping for straws and just like said Tony to Tony is like, well, how'd you th- how'd you make all your money? And is this the same sort of thing? Like, oh, well, you just get mad. You need to get you need to step away. Like, is he still grasping at straws and just doesn't know what to say anymore to kind of keep this team together? Well, I don't know. I mean, there is part of it that just feels like Fury is legitimately concerned about what could possibly happen if Bruce really does get riled up in this conversation. And and eventually we see it. Like, it doesn't go well for the, you know, if you're a helicarrier. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who are helicarriers who are listening, please be Tr- aware of <laughs> trigger warning. Trigger warning. We're going to apologize to all of our helicarrier <laughs> audience. <laughs> the views of Pete Wright on helicarriers. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure about Fury. I, I guess it's not a huge thing because in the scope of trying to keep the team together, he doesn't want Hulk to Hulk out or he doesn't want Bruce to Hulk out uh, because that would be bad and that would make a little bit of mess of things. So I guess I can see why he is kind of making that shift here. But then that leads into Tony's response. Why shouldn't the guy let off a little steam? And this is something we've talked about a number of times with Tony and his reactions, his needling with Bruce. How does all of that play for you in the film, Kyle? We haven't had a chance to talk uh, with you about any of this. I mean, from the time that they first meet each other, they have their little scientist uh, rom-com meet cute. And right after that, Tony starts poking him with electric prods and all sorts of stuff, trying to get him uh, to, you know, maybe show some signs of the green guy. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting that Tony immediately treats him as a science experiment. Yeah. Because because I also think that Tony has been around a lot of different people and he doesn't quite know what to make of Bruce Banner because it as knowing him as the person who can get green and destroy everything to meeting this kind of quiet milk toast scientist doesn't really make sense like if they're scientists then why isn't he more like tony uh and but he makes weapons kind of so he's, he's not like he's not like his dad like i thought i don't think the the equations don't line up for tony for about what bruce is like like and what he what he should be so i think that's what he's He's just trying to sort of figure him out, trying to rationalize and trying to, like, put him into one of the containers. He's also never seen Hulk, 
right? Like he's never seen it beyond the footage because we saw him looking at the footage in yeah, the in, too. in uh, well, even in this movie in the, in New York at the beginning oh, yeah, after they lit him up and he was doing his homework. Uh, but he's never seen him, and I I do get this feeling that he is just just a dash sociopathic enough that he really does genuinely want to see what would happen if mm-hmm. and uh, and test a theory, whatever the theory is. Yeah, and I mean, we, we, I guess that's kind of what we came to is this idea that he's a person who would rather you know make the mistake of releasing Hulk and then sort out the issues afterward than really thinking ahead of things and realizing yeah it's probably not a good idea to do this at this particular point in time. Yeah, but uh, but we've seen over the over the time that Tony respects intelligence. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and so like I think he he recognizes the kindred spirit. I mean, like that's the whole you know offering him the berry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's that's a big th- that's a big right. gesture for Tony Stark. Like that <laughs> that was a, a berry of respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does offer one to Steve as well, who doesn't take it, and so maybe that's part of the reason that there still is this animosity between these two characters. And I wonder uh, how that plays for you. Like, why does Tony? come into the relationship with Steve immediately from the in the start of this film seeming like he had a gripe with him is it because he had known his dad like how do you read the the way that Tony reacts with Steve yeah i think i think that's a lot of what it is what it comes down to is that uh it's unfortunately it's daddy issues i mean i think it really because probably growing up hearing those stories not only his dad telling him you know probably at the start when Tony was little, saying like, "Oh, actually, this guy on the that you see in these pictures, I knew him. I worked with him and stuff too." Was oh, that's right. And then the more he had to listen to his dad tell those stories over and over again to everyone else, like, "Jeez." Oh, so now when he actually is confronted with this guy, it's just like all part of this resentment package that Tony's carrying around about Howard uh, and everything else. So I think he sees him as also like everything he didn't like. He's seeing in him as well, so like the the all all the stuff from the war and that that period of his life. There it is, right in front of him. Yeah, and I think that's what makes these sequences so interesting to me is that you know we have his obvious animosity towards Steve, and we have his obvious curiosity toward the Hulk. Like he's putting himself in between two hard places, and. Um, and and I, I think it makes for that trio a really interesting mix of of um, motivations. It it definitely does, and it really is allowing us to kind of push into like the next part of this argument here, and that is because Tony is kind of like pushing for, hey, why can't why can't Bruce just Hulk out a little bit? Yeah, and then Steve is you know ever the uh, the Boy Scout you know trying <laughs> to you know protect everybody and keep everybody safe. You know damn well why. Back off. And this is where it really starts. Kind of they really start pushing at each other as Tony's like, oh, I'm starting to want you to make me and and they kind of push into this uh, reaction about, you know, the fact that what is Tony other than just a uh, a big man in a suit of armor? Like he doesn't have anything. Except, you know, that, of course, Tony's response, genius billionaire, playboy philanthropist. And then Steve's response to that, like, like, there's just some smart writing in the way that these characters are reacting with and to each other throughout this. Uh, it, it I, I like all the way that this is playing here between these two characters. 
and that they're building each other up. They're like really pushing each other to this point. And I mean, we just had the scene with the scepter. And so we know, you know, we're assuming the scepter is really fueling all of this, but it really, it's kind of like alcohol, right? It's just loosening them up. And they're just saying the things that they've been feeling uh, since they all start uh, kind of came into contact with each other. Exactly. And it's interesting to, to now that I like really doing this minute by minute because when we came into the room, it was a, it was a crane. So we like we craned up from like the and over, and then when we were sort of wandering through seeing the thing, there was a steady cam going through all the way to to reveal the thing and then turning upside down. And now we're handheld, so like we're using all sorts of different camera things to try and get the thing because you can see it like shaking a little bit because things are getting a little more frantic, a little more out of control. Yeah. I still, and I know I'm, I'm now officially an island on this, this point, and I'm really okay with it, but I prefer my read of the movie where the scepter is just present in their environment, but it is not the thing that is acting on them. And I prefer, I like it that, <laughs> that Bruce ends up holding the thing. I don't necessarily think that that has to be a read that the scepter is operating him. I, th- I really like that view of it better because I prefer the human frailty of anger. But I think, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like that it doesn't have to be Loki, but it can be that the Mind Stone, as I was just saying, it kind of loosens them up and they're saying things that it's already there. It's not making them do this stuff. It's just... It's just enhancing the the need for them to get these things out. Uh, because, I mean, I don't know, the next minute, Pete, I'm going to have uh, some 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 points to to argue with you about. Yeah, that's why I, the thing the moment I was thought I thought was in this minute, but it turns out it's in the next minute. It's the next minute. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely going to be uh, make I me know. scratch my head. I know I watched ahead because I had to remember <laughs> what I was going up against. And for crying out loud, I know I'm just saying like there is something about my like the way I connect with this group of people in this room and this really well written scene. And I appreciate the groundedness of not having mystical malfeasance. Oh, yeah. I just prefer it. I just want them to just get it all out and argue. And does it have to be driven by this thing? And I think that's one of the nice things about this sequence is that it doesn't it doesn't really have to be to your point. Like they all this stuff is already there. They're already pissed at each other. So it it's fine. It's fine. I just I uh, yeah, that's that's where I am on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it could be that this is, you know, this is a a roofie for the Hulk. Like basically, that it was basically this, like this was set up as like just to exacerbate anger. Like that's all it's basically doing is just it's basically just poking, 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 poking. That's it. It's like it's not like you're saying. I'm not saying that's mind like mind control in terms of puppeteering. It's just like it's just it basically like raising the temperature in the room. A couple degrees every time, and so and so all the stuff they're saying, I don't think any of it is, you know, coming from like Loki putting like puppeteering people, like putting the thing in mind, like oh, you should say this next. Like I really think it is everything they're saying is coming from them internally. They just probably wouldn't say it out loud, exactly. But now all of a sudden, it's sort of like like Andy was saying, gloves are off. Like all right, you're gonna you're gonna swing at me. I'm gonna swing at you, and then suddenly. And, and and now everyone's sweating. <sighs> yeah. And to that point, I mean, the movie, I think, is, it makes the case that they need this scene in order to have everything that comes next. Right. In order to have in order to be able to find affinity with one another enough to fight and um, together. And and I I'm on board with that for sure. Well, to a certain extent, 
the franchise also needed this so that we could kind of continue. Well, one, let's just say you get more interesting characters when they don't always agree with each other, as For we've sure. already discussed. Yep. But at the same time, I'm assuming planning ahead, thinking, you know, we may be doing the Civil War story eventually. We want to kind of be in this place where we're going to be able to kind of continue developing those rifts in the friendship and the ways that they view each other. And they can get along for sure, but they are also going to be having these these points where they're going to be, you know, butting heads. And I think that's what makes it uh, very strong. Yeah, they, they, they have fundamentally different worldviews or, you know. As guardian worldviews, right, I mean, right, yeah, yeah. that's exactly. I, I think that is exactly what fuels my desire to have this grounded perspective of not allow of not seeing it as as you know mind stone emotional lubricant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gross. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like that. There's also a nice like, sort of like one two three punch of um, big man in a suit of armor. You know, that's that same kind of thing of just like you know like oh you get anybody could wear that and it's the same thing. You know, and then uh, what are you? And then billionaire playboy and then what I forgot about that is that he says that because everybody has it. There's t-shirts and everything that they immediately cut to Black Widow to Nat and she goes yeah like she basically just like goes yeah fair point like. She, it's just a really nice reaction. <laughs> I and actually it, it might have been spontaneous too. on on her uh, as you know, just Scarlet just reacting. I don't know if I don't know if it was actually staged, but she just goes. I think mm. Andy has. I think Andy has thoughts. <laughs> I hate that reaction. As, as someone who's been really up close and personal with Tony, no, nothing intended there. Um, you know, as as, as his, uh, you know, personal assistant for uh, however long as Natalie Rushman. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, she was she's right. She's seen all that stuff, and she's like, "Yep," like <laughs> and sort of like acknowledges it and goes, mm, "That's true." Yeah, it ticks just, off all four. Yep. It's just one of those reaction shots that I'm just like, really, like you know, I don't know. They've they've taken her out of the the argument by this point, and that's what they get give her is this this little tiny reaction. I don't think she was ever in the argument, really. Well, she was in it earlier with Bruce. Like she and Bruce were. There was that contention they yeah, had. She's. I mean, she's been uh, her her one goal is. Yeah, don't just a, call the Hulk in. Exactly, which uh, she stopped doing, and now it's gone into Fury's hands. Like, they've given that to, to Fury now, and again, she's just just sitting here reacting to Tony. Yeah, I don't feel like she's, uh, of all the people, she's the one not trying to score points here. Well, yeah, I just, but that one that one little reaction shot of her, I just, I, I feel like it doesn't do her any justice to have her react that way. I'm like, yeah, she's seen all that from Tony before, but at the same time, I'm sure she has opinions about the way that he behaves. Oh, absolutely. And, and to to say, well, yeah, but you are a philanthropist. Like, I don't know. Just like, I don't know. I just feel like that's that is the writer coming through more than the character for me. Well, 100 percent on that point, because you know where else there are a lot of those head tilts, sarcastic. Oh, yeah, no, I get it. Mm -hmm. The Natalie Rushman responses. Any number of characters on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, <laughs> right. Like th this could very well firefly. So well, probably <laughs> that, too. Yeah, could have. Right. Exactly. Um for me, it's it's that's Xander Harris, right? Like that's uh, that is absolutely one of those characters. But it could be Firefly. Hell, it could be Dollhouse, right? Like that's just stock in trade physical responses to his particular dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve is has gone into full soldier mode at this point. It's like you know, crawling, laying on the wire and all that kind of stuff. I do like uh, he says. 
you know, you may not be a threat, but you better stop pretending to be a hero. The only yes. thing you fight for is yourself. Like all this stuff. I was like, oh, those are solid blows. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I think when when Tony responds immediately, I feel like he's had his response queued up for a long time, like since since like since Cap showed up, like he has it, like he's been carrying that in his pocket the whole time. Be like, oh yeah, yeah. The only thing special about you, <laughs> like that that was not spontaneous. I don't think at all. I think that's something <laughs> that has like he's yes. Let me turn turn to page two forty three in my burn book. Yeah, um, like, let, let, I have a, I have a sealed envelope yeah. here. Let me just. <laughs> but but it's also exactly what I've kind of been waiting for. The all this movie right is minute seventy one. It's for Steve and Tony to tell the truth about their perspectives on one another. One's power is comes from inside and chemistry, and one's power comes from outside and science and and engineering. And they both end up being effectively the same thing, but the way they get about it causes such uh, such strife. And I think that that's fascinating. That's banner hulk that's right right we need we need that particular conflict in order to in order to make these characters compelling and i i think it's great and we've been talking about that dance this is the minute where that pays off when they get to actually call out call each other out on it well and it's it's going to pay off further i don't know like five minutes or so moving forward when after the attack happens and you know they're they're about to kind of exchange blows and then they realize oh i'm gonna go put my suit on like we finally get kind of the build to all of that. And it's like, we need these moments to make all of that work as effectively as it does, because that's when they realize that they can work together and they may have their powers coming from different things, but they can actually work together. And so it's, I mean, it's a really fantastic uh, conversation. Just the way that it's constructed is just so incredibly effective here. Well, and, and, you know, again, Pulling back the curtain on the five, uh, on watching this minute by minute, this entire exchange and worldview presentation and ultimate destruction and uh, oblivion of the worldview conflict as they start working together happens over the course of like four minutes. Like it's very efficient screenwriting. It is, it's really good. It's frustratingly good, tight action dialogue. Like, yeah, really frustratingly good. Yeah. I know. Unfortunately, uh, as much as I love, uh, what is it, Marcus and McFeely? Like, there's there's nothing like this in in uh, Avengers: Infinity War or Endgame. There's good stuff, there's good but like stuff. nothing that has this same kind of pop and sizzle. Yeah, inertia. Yeah, this scene is building toward this. Uh, we get this conflict between the characters, and we cut out of it from there, and we go back to the Quinjet, and we see Barton readying himself in the back. Uh, the back opens up, and uh, it's just one of these moments. Like, what exactly is his plan? He is a man with a bow and arrow, and um, what what is he going to do to take down a helicarrier? <laughs> yeah, my my the note I wrote uh, was sinister. Quinjet is sinister. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean it's very funny. I don't know. I I laugh about this moment because I'm like, okay, he's got a bow and arrow. He's walking to the back of the oh. Quinjet. He's looking oh. at the helicarrier. <laughs> I mean, I know that's the thing. Even from the last minute, which I I, I sort of forgot to make the point. The the fact that you have to have like like oh now things are gonna get serious click click my bow and it's like <laughs> right. it's still, it's a cool move sure but it's still like 
It's still a bow. Right. Exactly. It's as sinister as I don't remember what minute it was, but it's when it's before they go for the ocular extraction where he goes, he's in the underground like networking tunnel and he pulls his bow out and shinks it into place and and you're going to Austria. And it's like, come on, man. They're, oh. they're, they're trying so hard. I don't care how hard you jerk it in your arm. It's still a bow. <laughs> You're going up against a trickster god. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our minute as he's standing there uh, getting ready to do something. We're not exactly sure what, but the helicarrier's below, and he's standing there with his bow in hand, ready to take it down. So we'll stop there for Minute 71. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 72. So, Kyle, tell everybody again about what you're up to out there. Uh, I am part of a uh, new uh, scary collective here on the True Story family. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the members. Do we have? Do we have like a like a ghoul squad or something? Name? I don't. Oh, remember. we need a ghoul squad. Yeah. Uh, Sitting in the dark. Uh, it's our horror themed podcast. It is a collection of all of us and all of our uh, differing interests in horror. We all uh, have interest in horror, but we all have very different perspectives on uh, what constitutes our as. From classic horror to more monster movies to slasher movies, all kind of stuff. So we have a bunch of different ideas we're going to be pursuing in there. So if you are a fan of any of the type of scarier films, check out Sitting in the Dark. Fantastic. We will have links for all these in the show notes. So check those out, everybody. Uh, Kyle, we'll be back with you one more minute tomorrow for Minute 72. But thanks for joining us today. One last time. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll catch everybody tomorrow, minute seventy-two. Pete, thanks as always. I guess, I guess I have to put the suit on. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>